Welcome to the Nerdaplexi Comic Movie Review Show. In this series, we are going to break down and analyze every comic movie released between 1989's Batman all the way to 2008's Iron Man. We are going to track the trends, hype the hits, and dunk on the duds, all in search of the perfect convergence of comics and cinema. Joining me on this epic journey is my longtime friend and frequent co-conspirator, Sam. Fat boy this... And also uh, helping us out on this episode is our social media Zangief. It's Dave. Good morning, Shadaloo. <laughs> oh, yikes. What a mess. Sit back, relax, and grab your electromagnetic device as we fly into Street Fighter. Guys, I, I remember not liking this movie as a child, and I loved it this time. <laughs> spoiler, no spoiler. This movie is a an absolute dump truck. Yeah. But I loved every <laughs> fucking second of this movie. I hated it. I expected to hate it. And I loved my hating of it. I'm like, obviously. Yeah, obviously they did that. That's so stupid. Obviously. And I loved thinking that. I loved feeling superior. I loved laughing my ass off when I absolutely least expected it. That could be it. I feel like I knew more than the writers of this movie, and I felt good about that. It rewarded you in all the best ways. Well, let's get through the rest of the prereqs so we can get into this one. It was released December 23rd. Ooh. Christmas flick, baby. Christmas Eve Eve. This one popped off 1994. Festivus. Harry, I need the 23rd off. Hey, I hired you to work during the holidays. This is the holidays. But it's Festivus. Uh, directed by Stephen E. DeSouza, starring our man. You know him, you love him. It's JCVD. Ming-Na Wen. She's in this one. Didn't I didn't uh, expect to see that. Mulan from the Boba Fett. Yep. Kylie Minogue, yeah, and uh, Raul Julia. I mean, and so many more. So, 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 so many more, but it's just good. It's just great. Sander Van Oker, they got him for this one. Okay, guys, before we get into this writ large, I want to ask, who's your street fighter? I was always an E-Honda guy. Really? I was Chun-Li. You were Chun-Li? Interesting. Both mashable characters. Yes, my contact point with Street Fighter is like Street Fighter Turbo, whatever. It was the one that came out with the release of the six-button Genesis controller. Mm-hmm. So T-Hawk is one of my guys. I would love to say I'm a T-Hawk. I like Cammy, but my guy was absolutely Fenlong because he also had a really easy combo to pull off. He's like the Bruce Lee clone. And I thought the one extra Captain character was going to be Fade Long, but he was a Japanese character. And they did that really horrible kaiju scene that really kind of like almost borderline racist kaiju scene. That was tough. <laughs> a Captain Sawada. That's what his name is. He got a pose at the end in like the final scene. They got a pose. So I thought he was Fade Long, but it's, it's not. It's Captain Sawada. I don't get it. So we open with the news reporter thing. And Chun-Li is a reporter covering the Battle of Chandeloo. Chandeloo. Which sounds like an Adam Sandler ad lib. Shadowloo grinders, shadowloo grinders. Navy beans, navy beans. Meatloaf sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get sued by Adam Sandler. <laughs> I wish. Please, daddy, sue me. Shadowloo. That's it, Billy. Get the hell out of here. 
Chun Li though, she's like the number one news game in town. Everybody's tuning into her every time she's on the screen. Even M Bison himself is watching live as she's covering his war atrocities. I love it. The hover platform's programmed into Chun Li. We're given to believe at this point that M Bison is a bad man. Yeah, they don't hold him back. How bad he is? He's not a good man. My dude's breaking necks left, right, and center. He's got a hostage chamber. He's got a computer that knows that it's called the hostage chamber. (laughs) Hostage pit open. Stand clear. Stand clear. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think about the coding that had to be involved in that. (laughs) Make sure you record this line. Hostage chamber is open. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. They had to hire a voice actor. Probably one of the hostages. Probably didn't have to hire her at all. Maybe that's why she sounded so aloof. You know, it's just a pitched up Jack Donaghy's voice. You can get that for free. Wait, the computer. It's it's Jack's voice. America. Whiskey. Liberal. We're doing a lot of 30 Rock jokes recently. A lot of Jack Donaghy. It's shadow remnants, I guess, is what it is. Still heavy in the air. As Dave said, M. Bison snapped a quick neck or two. The line there when he's like, Oh, you're a soldier. Come to fight me. Well, fight me. He's so deliciously over the top in this whole entire movie. Amazing. His face, bug eyes, he's crushing it. Raul Juliet crushed it. Just making a meal of it. That's the actor I would dream to be. Taking things so seriously. His reactions in this movie, they'll cut to him and he'll just make a face and it sells the whole movie for me. This is the grandest camp. The perfection of the Adam West Batman. It's so good. When I was a kid in 1994 watching this movie, I felt disappointed. I felt it, this is one of the first movies, the IP I had a genuine connection for. When I watched a movie, that was my first exposure to the thing. So whatever the thing was, like, yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely cool. But at this point, I had played so much Street Fighter. I knew these characters. And this is the first time a movie felt cheap to me, really, when I saw this. And I was like, ah, I should be loving this more, and I'm not. But this time, I loved it all, like a fine wine. So M. Bison, he got these hostages. He wants $20 billion. What is that in 1994 money? That's what I want to know. Probably a great deal. Right here is where Guile's being like filmed, and he's he's got a message for M. Bison. It's like, uh, I know you like to look at yourself on television, you sick son of a bitch. So look at this. <laughs> and he does like the little F.U. symbol. It's pretty funny. It's a double. It'd be like $40 billion. That's a lot. But whenever M. Bison sees it, he's incensed. And he tells his computer whiz, DJ, he says, DJ, break in now. And that should be, I think all DJs should use that clip. Yeah, they definitely should. That should be like a standard DJ clip. Before the bass drops, DJ, break in now. DJ, break in now. Break, 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 now. DJ. Now. DJ. Break, 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 break
like to look at yourself on television, you sick son of a bitch. So look at this. One thing I love about the whole first like eighth of this movie is there's so many fast and furious name drops to Street Fighter characters. They're, just, they're like introduction, introduction, introduction. They lay them all out. Waste no seconds. It's like you meet E Honda, you meet Balrog and his very bad hairline. You meet Vega, Sagat, Dalsim. I mean, it's like it's one after the other after the other. There's like two sentences in between every introduction. The only ones that really breathe would probably be like Guile and Chun Li, but even still, Guile, Chun Li, and M Bison are introduced in, in under five minutes. The, well, they hit them all. They go, they go through it, and they like say everyone's name because yeah, you've got E Honda, Balrog, Cammy, T Hawk, Guile, Chun Li. There, it's all just like the whole first act of the movie is just like character, character. We get Dalsim, we get Blanca, we get them all. Dalsim doesn't do any stretchy stuff, though. That's my biggest problem. No, he didn't stretch even a little bit. He gets that goop and he loses his hair, though. And his shirt. He does lose his hair to look more like Dalsim and his shirt, but he doesn't get stretchy. That we know of. You'd think the goop would have, we would have seen his stretchiness. Maybe it would have been in number two, which they do set up for, sadly. But Guile is, knows that he's tapped into M. Bison, or M. Bison's tapped into the, uh, the feed. So he's yelling out to the hostages and he says, Charlie, hang on, buddy. We're coming! Which is like the worst thing you could do. Yes! What an asshole thing to do. He perfectly set up his buddy to become this lab rat that he becomes. And I feel like the name Charlie Blanca is pretty like wild pole. Anyway. He got him blanked. He said, Carlos? Charlie. Yeah, he figured it out. (laughs) He figured it out. Carlos A got no kind of poker face because he was like, Charlie, I'm coming for you. And Charlie was like, ah, audibly sighed. Great. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. (laughs) He's talking to me, huh? There's a Street Fighter song, which is good. Only for like a second it plays. Yeah. I know. It's like blink and you miss it. Street Fighter song. I saw that. I was really excited for you, Sam, that this one also had a branded song. It's by Ice Cube. We're going to play that whole song right here. <laughs> I'm going to fight you on the street. 
Street, Street Fighter. Guys, DMCA. <laughs> Sorry about the Spotify daddy. <laughs> we cut to Vega climbing some walls. And then at that point, I was like, it's actually a pretty solid representation of what's in the arcade game. As they're introducing these characters, I'm like, is this, are they doing a good job? Yeah. Every time I see someone new, I'm like, ah, Vega, he's doing a Vega thing. You know, they're doing a pretty good job. All of the cameo stuff is all pitch perfect. The problem is the story beats. The AN, not the UN, has three days to pay the $20 billion. Why did he have a 72-hour clock just ready? My man is for the drama. Yeah. (laughs) True. That is very true. Okay, I take it back. It makes all the sense in the world that you would have a 72-hour countdown. (laughs) He has that countdown for when the intern brings him his coffee. He's like, you have nine minutes and they start the clock and if he doesn't come back he gets fed to fucking alligators for sure yeah definitely (laughs) so we find out sagat's running a whorehouse and ryu and ken are selling toy guns to them tennis ball shooters oh my god sagat is such a fucking legend west studi are you kidding me i'm so excited to see him in this last of the mohicans mystery men What's challenging to me is the character arc that they're shoehorning for Ryu and Ken. It's so off the wall. Like, if you've never even, like, heard any of the lore of Street Fighter, you would automatically assume that, like, Ryu's the main character. And that's not even close to the case here. And he's not only is he not the main character, he's barely a good guy. Some scumbag. Which fits for Ken. They're like, how do we write for Ryu? I don't know. He's Ken's friend. You're hitting the same problem as Mortal Kombat. Because Johnny Cage is basically the main character, but Kung Lao is the hero. So in this instance as well, Guile is kind of like the hero, and it, which makes sense because I think Van Damme just looks more like Guile than Ken. So that's what you got to do. Van Damme turned down the role to play Johnny Cage to do this movie. Man, so. that would have been the perfect movie. Which I'm fine with because if he would have had his bender on Mortal Kombat, I would have been much more upset than if he had his bender on Street Fighter. That's a super good point. If you were phoning it in on Mortal Kombat, that would have been way worse. So if you haven't noticed or if you don't like to check the IMDb trivia, during this period, JCVD was going through a rough patch and was doing some I'll be in my trailer stuff big time. I saw that they hired like a handler. They're like, all right, we're going to get him a handler. Just going to make sure he gets on set on time, is not doing drugs, isn't drunk, shit like that. But then I guess the handler was like, yeah, let's party. <laughs> yeah. And apparently it was a terrible influence. So it backfired. That's pretty great. Speaking of Charlie Blanca getting sold out immediately, they've got him, <laughs> they've got him in this chamber watching this like horrible footage trying to make him evil, which is with VR gargles, a great callback to hardware where they show that actual video of a man getting shot in the head in world war two. It was actual real historic footage. They're showing us in this movie. This was a clearer clip of that moment because in hardware, it's like blink and you miss it. Yeah. We didn't know it was a face of death. This one is like, Hey, look at this. Yeah. Check out this murder. (laughs) yeah did you see it we'll go back to it in a sec but then they bring out the kool-aid jammers to mess with blanca's (laughs) muscles and forehead and hair you get the green juice oh my god they're pumping my boy full of ecto cooler the turtle ooze for his skin and the orange high c for his hair the anabolic plasma and dna mutagens a lot of ooze there's always ooze so much ooze in actual medical bags this is a legit medical procedure 
on the uh, high C bags, it says danger, like do not <laughs> overprescribe or something. Overdose danger. And the bag is obviously full of a gallon of liquid. Bulging. <laughs> Why do you make it in this size? Yes. Sell smaller IVs. <laughs> Overdose danger. Here's the 64 ounce bag. And it's yeah. not like you're sharing IV bags. Once it's you... a tall boy. Yeah. It's not like you could just cut it off halfway. The production on this movie was having the time of their fucking lives. The details in like the props and production and the backgrounds are phenomenal. The M. Bison oil painting. Yes. The John Wayne Gacy pogo the clown with the M. Bison hat. Yes. Oh my God, the clown. I want that clown painting. His, for his sure. hoverboard controls that are a championship edition arcade controls is lifted directly. The buckets also have Capcom on them. The one that Chun-Li gets into. It's so funny to think because when they're making this movie, the philosophy is so much different in 1994 than it is today. Because today, if they made a Street Fighter movie, if they rebooted the franchise, there would be maybe four characters and maybe three bad guys. You yeah. wouldn't burn that much IP because everyone is in this one. You know what I mean? They're sort of like, we're going to jam pack it full of references, full of every character so that we can get them all in. The credit crawl might have had like a peek at what Blanca looks like and it wouldn't have been this. That would have been the teaser. You would have seen Blanca. Also, DJ, he's the best. DJ is great. Speaking of Vega, it's a pitch perfect entrance. He's fighting cage matches in electrified cages. Vega is always cool to look at, but I always hated to play him. I never could do well with him. Because he can only do that climbing thing on his own level. Yeah, it really capped him. It's a perfect aesthetic Vega. He's got a big old snake tattoo. Honestly, where does his snake tattoo end? We see the viper on his nip and it wraps around his torso. Is it a snake Pliskin situation where the tail ends on his business? Yes. He's a fighter in the street and a snake in the sheets. Oh, Oh, baby. <laughs> Which brings me to the porn parody. Oh, yeah? Street. <laughs> That's pretty good. Sheet fighter. Pee biter. <laughs> Sheep. That's pretty terrible. <laughs> no? <laughs> it keeps getting worse. Oh, no. I'm leaving all that in. <laughs> Sam takes it out. I'm going to put it back in. <laughs> I'm okay with that, actually. Because Ryu and Ken were caught selling fake guns, Sagat's solution is like, well, I'm not going to kill you, but you do got to do like a cage match with Vega. So he's doing cage match with Vega. <laughs> but alas, Vega's a handsome boy, <laughs> so they forgo the mask half the time. I was glad he put it back on later because True. I was disappointed. There was like a little wind up here, and I was hoping they were going to have a fight. And I was mad because they decided to fight no webs. Which mm -hmm. I think is pretty cool. How he decides that they're going to do no weps is he gets like that very fake sword and he like whips it around a lot and he throws it into a pole. And then he's like, you know, no weapons. You agree to that? He probably should have just said it out loud like, hey, can we do no weapons and then throw the thing at the thing? Do you think he was trying to actually just kill him and then he missed? Yeah. And he's like, how about no weapons? That's what I was trying to do the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That's way funnier. Real Jack Burton energy. So Vega, handsome boy, the ladies are loving him in the crowd. So then somebody rips 
Ryu's shirt off and he's all jacked up. The ladies are like, well, I don't know. Maybe we like him now. <laughs> <laughs> They're very easily swayed. Yes. One lady was swayed and it broke Vega's heart. Here's what I love about Vega is that it's the one character in the game that has like breakaway pieces on him just for no reason because like in the first street fighter he was just like one of the boss characters and then in like championship and turbo they added him as a playable character but that's just a fun little deet if you kicked him in the face too many times his mask would come off it's good that's good game design unfortunately we don't get to see his mask break at this early stage because guile rolls in with a tank and then says you're under arrest with these two missiles aiming through a gate i don't know how that would have worked for him I don't think he's getting out of there. There was a lot of times when they had to reschedule shoots and stuff because Van Damme was like absolutely blitzed drinking alcohol on set and shit like that. (laughs) And I think this is one of the scenes where they tried it a million times. And this is the one because he pops the hatch on there and he's like, hey, you fuck you. Y'all, you're fucking under arrest. That's the energy that I was seeing. Mm -hmm. I loved it personally. Yeah, it's good. I think they should have leaned into it. I think they should have been like, hey, if you're going to keep doing cocaine, Guile's going to be a cokehead in this movie. And that's one of the subplots. Allegedly, Van Damme did $10,000 worth of cocaine. Shit. That's like 20 grand of cocaine today. <laughs> 10 grand in cocaine? That's like 20 grand in cocaine. <laughs> I think that was on a pretty small... That's not the total cocaine budget, but I think that was like some daily stuff. Look into it, guys. Yeah. But also don't do cocaine because fentanyl is scary, y'all. If you snort stuff up your nose, get yourself a naloxone. You can get those for free from the internet. The government will give you some. The more you know. Hey, guys, if you're going to do coke, do it responsibly. (laughs) I have pretty sparse notes here, but there is a boardroom scene where it's just business as usual. But lo and behold... There's an assassin who's trying to take out Guile. Guile takes him out with like one swift move. And he notices he's got one of those Shadaloo Tong tattoos. <laughs> the Shadaloo Tong. Yeah. Yeah. Same it's as Sagat. It's a yeah. good tat. It did look pretty cool. At this point, we get to see the prison yard and all the people that have been arrested. We've got Sagat's in there, Vega's in there, Ken and Ryu also in there. And there's a little ruckus that Guile sees through the windy. They start knocking shit over and they get people to go fight Ken and Ryu. Yeah, they'd have a big fight scene and Guile's all interested in them. And he's like, hey, who are those two guys who are whooping all that ass? And it's Ken and Ryu. So he pulls them in to say like, hey, you guys don't have to be bad guys. You could be good guys. I got some big ideas. Which leads to the next set of scenes, okay? Mm-hmm. So we see that everybody's getting loaded into the back of a truck and yep. it looks like... Ken and Ryu start a little snafu and they get the keys to unlock themselves. They're trying to ingratiate themselves before Sagat because what we think at this moment is that Sagat's going to help them further break out. Because it's one thing, you can get the chains off, but if you're not going to be able to actually escape, what good is it? So the only reason why you shouldn't think that everyone's in on this is because they couldn't possibly be, right? In this time frame, the timeline is so shrunk There's this big plan, obviously, that Guile has imparted on these guys. And the plan involves everybody shooting guns at each other. Real guns. (laughs) No, some of them were blanks. Some of them were blanks. 
were they all blanks? I don't know. Maybe Guile had time to change everyone's bullets out. No, well, okay. Ken gets T-Hawk's gun. Right. So T-Hawk had the gun with the blanks. Yes, but there are other guns being fired because the other people that work at this prison don't realize that this prison attempt has anything to do with Guile saying it's yes. okay for these guys to do a prison attempt. Correct. It, it puts Absolutely. several people in danger. So you see Guile gets shot and he's dead, everybody thinks, which should be a reason probably for the guards to continue giving chase to this truck, whatever, it doesn't really matter. So we think Guile's dead. But Chun-Li has got some fancy moves and she throws a tracker because for whatever reason, she's at this prison too. She's throwing a tracker on to this truck that's escaping the prison. Yeah, she's doing a report and then she's got a tracker. I love her little like somersault flip to like get it where she could just like kind of like give it a little toss. She could have did a little underhand. Woo, and there it is. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm going to do this sick flip. <laughs> Ming-Na Wen said that when she watched this movie at the premiere, she was cringing the entire time. But she talked with Jean-Claude at some point years after the movie came out and they had a conversation, like talked about their experience in the movie. And then she said she felt a lot better and can look on it favorably now. It took a long time for her to be able to look on it favorably, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure it did. I think it was when she's on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and she was like, hey, Street Fighter wasn't so bad. That's fair. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah, the thing <laughs> I read is that she told George Clooney that she was really worried that it was going to ruin her career. And George Clooney was like, nah, it takes a lot worse stuff than this to ruin your career. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you, George Clooney. Yeah, so... <laughs> God bless you, 90s George Clooney. God bless George Clooney. We're coming for you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, we will have you. Next, we cut away from the all of that drama to... We're back to M. Bison, and he's got Bisonopolis. He's preparing to create Bisonopolis. I assume that's what cost $20 billion to create. The face in that city enclave, I loved it. Oh, it's like a skull with the wings? His sincerity about Bisonopolis, he tells his chief architect, he was like, the Serb, expand the food court. Everyone will want to be a part of Bisonopolis's food court. All the corporations. He's so amped about it. Still not allowed to say McDonald's, though. <laughs> well, you see like the big skull with wings, and that's like the main M. Bison symbol. And it reminds me of, if you guys haven't seen, I know Dave has, there's a sketch show called That Mitchell and Webb Look where the one sketch, there's two, like, Nazi stormtroopers, and th and they're like, have you ever noticed that we've got, like, a skull and crossbones on our hat? And one guy's like, yeah, what about it? It's like, do you ever think we might be the bad guys? <laughs> Wait, are we the baddies? And that's actually, yeah. And it's perfectly played out later because Zangief doesn't realize that they're the bad guys. He's been convinced by M. Bison that they're the good guys. Zangief has got great dumb guy energy. That's the best part of the movie. He doesn't understand a thing. He's just blindly following, and he's like, yeah, he says he's, well, this is good stuff, and the other guys are the bad guys. Bison is giving this speech about how he's going to bring on the Pax Bisonica. Pax Bisonica. Dude loves and, a so pun. Zangief is visibly getting choked up. He's crying. He's so on board. That was beautiful. And Bison is so on board, but he's also so twisted because he's like, I'm, it's just going to be peace. Everything is going to be fine and everyone will worship me. He's talking about all this peace stuff and then he finds out that Guile is dead. It's on the news. William F. Guile is dead. And I think that the uh, the F is for what? Fucking. Yeah. William F. Guile. No. 
there's a good little Wayne joke in here, I'm sure. William F. Guile, the F is for... Let's see, what is the F for in, in Lil Wayne, Wheezy F, baby? Okay, he says the F is for phenomenal, uh, which is funny because that's a PH word. Uh, the things the F in Wheezy F, baby has stood for. <laughs> There's a good list. Okay, so the F could be, uh, it could be for you to find out, man. It could be for, the F is for fly, or is the F because he stays fresh, or is the F... Yeah, for fresh. The next one's just for fresh. Or maybe the F is for flow. Or maybe the F is for FEMA. FEMA? Okay, I got to bring the hood back after Katrina. Wheezy F baby, now the F is for FEMA. That's really good. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> and the F is for fashion. F is for ferocious. F is for franchise. F is for forever. Gee, the Wheezy F baby and the F is for a bunch of shit. That's great. Uh, Wheezy F <laughs> and the F is for flame. Eat these rappers, chef of the game. Spin our F corner. Uh, yeah, the F is for forensics. Uh, F is for phenomenal. F is for is not for failing. The F is for front door. Um, uh, see, the F is for fornicate in this instance. This is good. The F is <laughs> I think for we flames. Found I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cut this down to like the best three or four, but uh, the. You should just edit it to be like you're getting faster and faster and faster. <laughs> no, I give that shit to Nana, Young Money Boss, Cash Money G, Wheezy F Baby, and the F is for free. So William F. Guile has died and Bison is pissed. Shoddy want to be my boo like Showtime at the Apollo. <laughs> Wheezy F, the F for follow. Follow me straight to my condo. Yes. But in exchange um, for killing Guile, Ken and Ryu... Young Money Militia, and I am the commissioner. You know one start, Wheezy, because the F is for finisher. So Chun-Li's tracking the trackers, and then it finds out that there is actually two trackers tracking some interference. Yes. Check the oscilloscope. You know what I say when I hear about interference? I say I'm trying to keep the spirit when the ghosts disappear, but Wheezy F, baby, and the F ain't for fear. (laughs) I refuse to put this to song. (laughs) <laughs> well it just depends on what time you do this. This this will go in this will go in dry as fuck. Yeah, so I I don't front, no fabricate. I get high and gravitate. Wheezy F baby. The F is for fascinate. A lot of th- three syllable <laughs> ones there. I'll quit. Until later. Until you guys forget that I did it. Alright, he finds out the guy's dead and he's actually really disappointed because he wanted to snap his spine. DJ says that's great news and he's like On the contrary, I mourn. Okay. I was hoping to face Guile personally on the battlefield. One gentleman warrior to another in respectful combat. Then I would snap his spine. Ah! The road not taken. This is where Chun-Li has been tracking the trackers and she's following the signal down to the morgue of the AN base in this black body suit that like, her whole face is out of. All of that aside, she... That's the least ridiculous thing that's about to happen. <laughs> yes, because she finds the computer, the homie computer that's tracking the trackers and turns and sees Guile's dead body. He's in the morgue. So this is, must have been hours since the incident. He's been playing dead because he's not dead. Obviously, he's not dead. He's there and waits until Chun-Li pulls back the fabric to sit up and reveal that Perfectly straight, so fast, it's a legit jump scare. How long did he lay there wait for that to happen? What is this? This is madness. He loves pranks. 
This whole sequence is madness. I wrote sheet cute. Sheet cute is good. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> that was a gift. Thank you. I was dying for one. And that's, yeah, that's a gift. And then T-Hawk immediately pops out with a gun. So everyone's in on this. What is the prank? They've been next. <laughs> so now chun Li's on board. She pleads her case. Yes. She wants to be on board. He says, like, no. He has a line. This war is not about your personal vendetta. It's about mine. Great line. But completely beside this, because she gets almost captured here by T-Hawk. But no, she breaks away. And the same night. Jumps out a window. And I assume the same night. Obviously the same night. We get to the conclave of Sagat and Sagat's Tong and uh, M. Bison and his boys. And there is a show on. And the show. Yes. Is starring. A circus act. A full circus act. A full circus act. The planning that will have had to go on. To get to this point, absurd. But the show is the Ben Belly brothers that I guess Chun Li, Balrog, and E Honda have prepared just in case. Yes, they get an opportunity to try to. It's some Scooby Doo ass shit, man. It's this is the plan all along. <laughs> this was always the plan. Yeah, this is the A plan. <laughs> I mean, it's not just that they had a plan to sneak in as this troop. They actually have a show prepared, choreographed choreographed looks like they put chun li in a barrel and then balrog comes and slices the barrel in half chun li's not in the barrel chun li's coming out of the top of the tent how did she rig that i don't know the last two scenes are the most absurd in the whole movie in my mind that chun li goes to the morgue and john claude van damme was laying perfectly still for 24 hours that's how long was he sitting there who was he waiting to get don't move until the signal he's such a dramatic bitch uh, Colonel Guile is such a dramatic bitch. But that even after she's doing this to try to find this tracker, that she has this alternate plan to do the circus act to find out where M. Bison's hideout is. It's just, it's it's a nightmare on paper is all I'll say. So at the very last second, she's doing the circus act and she sees, she knows for a fact because she's talked to Guile that Ken and Ryu are there also working undercover. And she's about to blow up this whole tent and she sees them and gets his attention and tells Ken that in 10 minutes, I'm going to blow up that tent. So then Ken and Ryu walk back into the tent. Mm -hmm. But then, even more ridiculous than that, in the Aztec tomb, they have a full audio-visual setup telling Bison and Sagat, we are about to blow you up. And the slowest fucking Rube Goldberg bullshit begins. And Zangief with maybe one of the best lines in the movie, he says, Quick, change the channel! Yeah, because it's a live <laughs> recording of a van about to run into the tent. If you change the channel, it won't. Um, <laughs> Magic. Magic. It's so good. Bison's trying to keep Sagat on his side, saying he'll have all kind of money should his new world order take place. And they open this thing, and it's got these, what he says, Bison dollar. Bison bucks. Why not bison bucks, Dave? I thought he said it. <laughs> he said bison dollars. That's really bad. <laughs> he could have been a middle school teacher. It could have been bison bucks. That's another affront. How many Stanley Nichols do you think the bison bucks are worth? Same as the ratio of unicorns to leprechauns. Yeah. So he's got bison dollars, <laughs> not bison bucks. 
he tries to convince Sagat that it's going to be worth five pounds for every bison buck because he's going to kidnap the queen. And I got to say, I love a warlord with a vision board. Right. <laughs> he's like, once I get the queen, the bison bucks are going to be <laughs> worth five times the, you know, the pound. And it's so absurd. But of course, then we have the van giving them ample time to escape the tent before it explodes by telling them that they're about to explode the tent that they're in. This movie, originally, when they filmed it, it got an R rating. So they did a quick edit and they edited it down and it got a G rating. Well, <laughs> and the director was like, that's a fucking death sentence. We can't put out a G movie. We've got to make it PG-13. So then they gave Van Damme one expletive in post-production and they got it up to PG-13. <laughs> Because this is a bloodless movie. Everybody runs out of the tent at the last second. M. Bison, the bloodthirsty, ruthless dictator, before the van hits, shouts, everyone get out of here. And everyone escapes. No one is killed. Only the weapons are destroyed. But Chun-Li and the gang, everybody's captured. Although Ryu and Ken sold them out at the last minute, so they're still seen as um, bad guys on Team Bison. And there's like this weird torture scene with uh, Balrog and Honda. Yeah. Yeah, they're getting whipped. And it's not doing any damage that he could see because his body is separate from his mind or whatever. Yeah. And he goes, well, why your mind and body are separate? Could you give me a hand? He makes a hand job joke like pretty soon after getting beaten with reeds or whatever. It's like, what, what did he say? Like, if we were locked up here for a few more days, maybe. Yeah, we can have sex later when we're really desperate. I do like that. Their relationship is really good. Balrog and E Honda, they, these are very good guys. Indeed. Despite Balrog's extreme widow peak. It is rough. That's a rough one. Bad look. Over at the AN, they're finalizing the plan to assault Bison's Fortress because they've got enough info. They know where it is now. Unfortunately, they've got a bean counter. Comes rolling in, trying to tell JCVD is biz. This is the most unnecessary scene. So the director of this one, Stephen E. D'Souza, at this point, they were running really low because they were super behind because uh, JCVD was causing a whole bunch of delays. So he adopted what people refer to as the John Ford directing method if you're running short on budget. And this is basically a joke phrase where he would say, I would just rip out every other page of the script to cut time. D'Souza actually did this. But when they got to editing, he was like, we're missing a ton of <laughs> crucial scenes. <laughs> so things start to happen pretty quickly here. <laughs> Usually my notes are like two screens of my browser, but this one it's like, Half a screen. <laughs> I got a million notes. So the bean counter comes in, tries to take JCVD, tell him, no, we're just going to give him the 20 billion bucks. And he's like, well, I've got this impassioned speech to give to these folks and we'll see whose side they're on. And they're obviously all on his side. Except for the chef. And the guy says, have you lost your mind? And he says, no, you've lost your balls. So Guile has this like really awesome line where he says, bitch, I'm a boss. I got you hoe in my assembly line. Here's William F. Guile and the F is for finish line. <laughs> so that's, I, I believe Dave I don't know I believe that's what they call in the industry a callback I think so I think so it's unearned I say you had the phone yeah. keyed up so <laughs> they want to plan an attack from the air but that's impossible how is that impossible because the Thailand government said they weren't allowed to use helicopters so they had to use boats that's why that's why it's impossible because they weren't allowed this starts the point in the movie 
where everyone starts getting their video game costumes on. Ken and Ryu get their bison gear and it's white and orangish gee. And Chun Li is now detained in M. Bison's Oh my goodness. Main room here is a little uh I guess what his you know, he's trying to get freaky, I guess. His master. The parlor. Yeah, the parlor. She's got her outfit on as well now at this point. As she's like describing his atrocities, he's turning on all the mood music and turning down the lights. Yes, he's liking that. She's saying basically like, you came to my village. My dad did everything to stop you. He was able to stop you. You ran away scared, but he died and whatever. And M. Bison is so cold. He's so sick. He's saying, you know, I, have, I don't have no recollection of that. And then he has this great line. For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. So good. But in there, you also see his John Wayne Gacy clown painting and his showdown in Shadaloo magazine. When you go around his room, he's got a hat stand. He's got different, exactly identical hats of different colors. He's got like tiki drinks. The skulled straws. The bone chandelier. It's pronounced Shadaloo. Incredible. Incredible. Ken and Ryu, they go to spring the other guys, but... They've already sprung themselves. Another handjob reference. Um, so yeah, they they go to Raul Julia's chamber and M. Bison's able to get behind the glass and start smoking them out. Chun-Li does a great job of kicking his ass and she's about to win when the doofusy Jack Burton-esque guys all stumble in and try to save her and Bison gets away. Raul Julia's look of sheer joy as they're being gassed is amazing. He's so pleased. His reactions are so fucking good. The gas was so slow and the doors didn't close that slow. They could have gotten out. Maybe. There's a cool fade scene where they show his winged skull fireplace. The fire goes up in his mouth. It fades to his face, which it looks exactly like the skull. And he's like cracking up. The AN begins its assault. Giles in his super techno protected boat while all of his other guys are in little rubber rafts. That boat looked sick. They were distractions. He's going to go and he's going to take out the radar while they distract um, Bison on the other side of the river. And it's going pretty well until it doesn't. And they can sense the vibrations or whatever. But right before the assault begins, Colonel Guile pops in a quick tape of some footage of him and his best friend, Carlos Blanca hanging out at a restaurant, and the assault begins, and we zoom into a close-up of Carlos Blanca's face, smash cut right to the half-created Blanca creatures, all white with orange hair. I laughed so hard, <laughs> I almost peed in my pants. I had to pause. <laughs> it was incredible. This is our second Jean-Claude Van Damme movie in a row. Incredible. And it's our second Jean-Claude Van Damme movie in a row where he watches old home videos not as sexy this time that we know of how was that hyping you up for battle the video was going to turn into a sex scene but <laughs> he was like putting on like a jam mm -mm. he put on a video of him and his friend having dinner with some girls we're supposed to believe that like this is the great vendetta that he's waging against m bison just that he captured his bud yeah yeah but his bud would have been fine if you wouldn't have said a stupid name on that would M. Bison have broken his neck in a little fight to the death if not for that? Maybe. That's yeah, true. I mean, he gets turned into a monster man and gets blown up anyhow, so who gives a fuck? But 
this is when Dalsim he breaks the programming as he's programming Blanca and slips in some wedding footage, a little dolphin action, the I have a dream speak, and then Blanca's healed. He's totally chill now. He's just 50% bad. He's like anybody else. He knows good from bad and doesn't always make the right choice. When they engage stealth mode, by the way, in the boat. I loved it. Oh my god, and they all they all like, all right, engaging stealth mode, and then everybody shook in their chairs. Very good. When they cut to Raul Julia and they've analyzed, okay, they got this sonar and they can detect it in the water, and it's finally revealed. They cut to M. Bison and he goes, uh-huh. it is the best reaction shot I've ever seen in a movie. I love it intensely. This is where we also see the Street Fighter controller, and he, he was releasing mines and getting a radar lock to blow up the boat, which he does. And then they're going to have to go swimming. They escape seconds before the boat explodes, and M. Bison shouts, Game over! Perfect. It's a perfect movie. It really is great. Dalsim is discovered at right about this time and gets all the goop dumped on him. And this must have been the stuff that he ripped out. Because there had to have been a whole Dalsim set point. Because later we see him with the rings and bald with no shirt on. He never stretches. Bummer. Maybe that's a little meta screenwriting because the whole movie is just like one stretch after another. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Blanca gets free. He's a monster man now, but he does at the end recognize Guile because of his programming. And he doesn't want to do a kill. Guile, on the other hand, is fine with a kill. He climbs in that chamber and is heading up to meet Bison. He sees his best bud in the world, Charlie, has been turned into a monster man. And his first instinct is he's about to give him the old of mice and men. He's like, look away, buddy. Think of rabbits. I'm going to shoot your ass. Look at the flowers. He was willing to euthanize him so quick. First thing. He was like, you're green now. You look real whack, dude. This is way better for you. (laughs) He doesn't even know anything about him other than he looks whack as hell and he's going to shoot him. He might be fine otherwise, but you do not want to live like this. The time runs out on the three-day timer and Bison turns to DJ and he says, DJ, has the AN deposited the 20 billion in my Swiss bank? And DJ yells, Hell no, Jedi. <laughs> We're ready to move into the final stage. Guile kicks his way into the scene, and I'm pretty sure that one of Guile's moves is a very good kick. And this is a good representation of his very good, like, tornado kick or whatever, but it looks whack as hell. The hostages get freed. Now we're starting to get into the final matchups. We got Honda versus Zangief. We've got Bison v. Guile, Ryu versus Vega and Saiget uh, versus Ken. During all of this stuff, DJ sees which way the wind is blowing and decides to peace the hell out. And he's got some great moments here as he's peacing out. That scene with him and Bison and Bison says, ah. Very well. We shall face it together, DJ. <laughs> with the stoicism. Of the true warrior. As DJ is walking away. Very cool. Slinking away. It was what I do? Yeah, what you do? I slunk out. You slunk out. Slunk. I slunk out. Yeah, he's like, I'm I'm out of here, bro. <laughs> and he takes that box of what he assumes is lots and lots of money. Yep. Nope. Bison and he bucks, gets baby. The F out bison dollars. <laughs> so at this point, all the good guys are coming out ahead. 
but Ken and Ryu have a little split. Ken wants to peace out. He doesn't want to help. Ryu wants to help. But eventually he swings back around to the good guys, as does fan favorite Zangief. He finds out he's one of the bad guys and he doesn't want any part of that and becomes a good guy. Dulcim and Blanca, they're fine to just wait for the inevitable cold embrace of death. And Guile and Bison have their final confrontation. Guile kills Bison initially. Or so you think. That Guile-Bison fight, it gives real video game vibes. That's the first round. They're the only ones moving the scene, stay still kind of vibe. It's good. It's very effective. I love this last fight sequence. I mean, it was like hokey and kind of stupid, and they reused portions of bison flying around. But at this point, Raul Julia was so sick with stomach cancer, they had intended to do all the fight scenes last, but they just had to like kind of get them in where they could. Mm -hmm. But for all of that, the final little fight isn't too bad. Eventually, Gal gets the upper hand with a good, good kick. The base self-destructs. Bison is dead, but he comes back with the help of his CPR jacket. Yeah, it's really good. It's funny because then Gaio kills him again in the exact same way, electrocuting him on in like a console. I guess he only had one respawn. That's it. Well, after the first respawn, he's got not only a CPR jacket, but now he's got lasers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And Guile's like, hey, I thought you wanted to go with no weapons. And he says, well, these aren't weapons. This is a... This is merely superconductor electromagnetism. He's like, oh, they use it on trains. That's not a weapon. It's like so clearly using it as a weapon. He's shooting lightning bolts. Very obviously weaponized it, like, by <laughs> definition. He's like... It levitates bullet trains from Tokyo to Osaka. It levitates my desk where I ride the saddle of the world. And it levitates me. (laughs) Me. And his shoes glow. His shoes. Yeah, and he shoots himself (laughs) off the wall with the classic bison. His shoes are so good. Head first Raiden move, basically. It's like the back, back, forward punch, and you do like a Raiden. But it leads to a great line. Come here, prepare to fight a madman, and instead you found a god? Yes. So oh, he's like really leaning so into the, his insanity. Keep your own God. In fact, this might be a good time to pray to him. For I beheld Satan as he fell from heaven like lightning. Everything self-destructs. Bison is seemingly dead. Guile is seemingly dead. But then Guile comes out and... Kylie Minogue's happy and Chun Li's happy. And she says that she's she says, like, will you give me an interview now? Because the running thing is that he won't give her an interview because he hates reporters. And he's like, but only if you wear that dress, lady. And it's like a okay, <laughs> game. Easy, easy, dude. I guess after the battle being close to death, what's making you hornier than that? You know? Yeah, that's it. Zongi's a good guy. Captain Suarez there. Dulce Blanca decided to die. And then freeze frame party. That's it. Roll credits. Roll credits, but after credit scene. Oh, really? You didn't see the after credit scene? Oh, no. you, you missed it. Oh, <laughs> I did. So they zoom in on the wreckage of the bison area, and there's like a little hole, and then up comes the fist. Very shre- uh, Shredder-esque. You just see bison's hand rise up out of oh, the thing. Oh, hell yeah. And then you hear the computer saying like, One solar battery online. Attempting to activate system. 
System activated. Good morning, General Bison. What is your menu choice for today? So Bison's still alive, even though... Hell yeah. R.I.P. Credits roll. Via con Dios, Raul Julia. Is this his last movie or second to last? This is it. This is last. He was basically dying during this. Oh, wow. So much so that his family was like on set with him at all times. Oh, jeez. But everybody said that he was totally committed and he really wanted to do this. I honestly think the goodwill he had received from Adam's family, he was like, you know what? This is also another beloved franchise. And he did it justice. I agree. He was great. I agree. He brought more life to M. Bison than ever would have existed. And you can tell he's having a good time. I mean, he's in extreme pain. And you can see that he's he's sickly, certainly. But I think he's vibing. Because this is a performance to end all performances, certainly. It certainly ended his. Certainly did. Well, that's the end of our movie-going experience, and also, I guess... (laughs) Raul Julia's. (laughs) Yes, there you are. Thanks, Sam. Doing the dirty work for us, making sure we don't have to. Appreciate that. He's just not alive is the thing. So that's our end of our movie coverage, but that's (laughs) not the only thing we talk about here on Nerdoplexy. It's also about the comics, so let's get into the adaptations here. It's the Comic Convergence. Do you have stuff on this? (laughs) I didn't know this was a comic. There was an adaptation, and also it had JCVD in it. We just did one of those. So, I mean, we got to cover this one. It's an adaptation released by Malibu Comics in August of 1993, written by Len Strzewski. Pencils by Don Hillsman and Ink by Jeff Whitling. It was a comic series based on the game of the same name. It ran for three issues, August and November, and it was set after the events of the original story. So Ryu had just won the tournament and was still focused on M. Bison trying to take over the world. It was tropey as hell. It looks great, honestly. It's like peak 90s comic stuff. My biggest beef with it was they all shoot their Hadoukens, Hadouken! but they don't call them Hadoukens. They call them fireballs, and I hated that about mm. it. So that's not the only Street Fighter comic. There's another really popular series that came out in starting in 2003, issued by Udon Comics, and it's more of kind of a anime or manga-inspired series. It's also from the sampling I took, which is admittedly small, I took a very small sample of a couple of different series. Pretty horny. This is a pretty mm-hmm. horny run. But it goes for a very long time until the current day. So they're still putting out issues of this current Street Fighter comic. Part of the reason why we wanted to include it because I want to list you some of the ones that they've got. So you've got the Street Fighter in 2003. Then we've got Street Fighter 2. Then we've got a Street Fighter Legends series, a Street Fighter 2 Turbo series, a Street Fighter 4 series, a Super Street Fighter series, a Street Fighter Origins, Street Fighter Unlimited. The most recent one, I believe, was 2019 with Street Fighter versus Darkstalkers. So 
a decent amount of comics. Wow. I'm going to have to check some of them out. And those are like full series, not just like single issues. Those are multi. I hope they're as crazy as the movie. Pretty buck wild. Okay, I'm in. <laughs> pretty buck wild. This one also was a pretty buck wild movie. The budget was pretty standard. It was $35 million. The opening weekend on this one was $6.8 million. The gross domestic, 33 So pretty close. And the gross worldwide coming in at $99 million. So not too shabby overall. Critics, not a huge fan of this one. Uh, Weird. You may be surprised to find out. Over on Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score coming in at a measly 12%. Audience score an equally measly 20 Pretty tough. No love. That is rough. No love for this one. I think that's overly harsh. Based on my enjoyment of having just watched this today, not too bad, not too shabby. But before we get into what we really thought about this one and whether we think you should watch it, it's time to head into our penultimate segment. It's who's your hero? Who's your villain? My hero is Raul Julia. It's the third time Raul Julia gets to be my hero on the series and the last. Hell yeah. On account of, you know, the unpleasantness. That's fair. For reasons we've said, he obviously took the role very seriously. He took the role so he could watch it with his kids who really like Street Fighter. I mean, it's like a really wholesome backstory. And then... Oh, that's nice. I can't think of anyone in the world who could take this role and make it as campy, but all around joyful and enjoyable, even though he's like supposed to be sick and sadistic. The difference between Raul Julia's performance and attitude toward this film and Van Damme's is totally polar opposites. And that just goes to show like the kind of person they are. So with that in mind, my uh, hero on this is Kylie Minogue, the person. She played Cammy in this one. She did like a ton of really nice things for the cast and crew. She was like really took care of them, was like really kind to everybody because this one ran really long because of JCVD's behavior and stuff. And it was like super over budget. I mean, you're Thailand, like filming things in like the jungle, basically. You know what I mean? So you got a bunch of extras and boats in the middle of the river. It's tough, but she took care of everybody. So Kylie Minogue, just all around, is my hero. I'm here for it. My hero is uh, the makeup department, specifically for Blanca. That was the best laugh that I've gotten (laughs) out of a movie. (laughs) It was such a good laugh in a very long time. And I know that they didn't mean it for that, but it stayed in. So they are my (laughs) hero. They, their career may have began and ended on this movie for all I know. I love it. Hey, he was green. He was orange. They knocked it out of the park. They did exactly what they had to. And I was so happy. My villain comes from a throwaway joke in the last fight when they were like, if you're off duty and you're not carrying a firearm, you're not going to have health care. And so <laughs> my villain is the U.S. healthcare system that clearly sent people to go work with M. Bison because they couldn't get health care. So there you go. It pushed people to work. This is Shadaloo Healthcare we're talking about. Those were like clearly people speaking American English that were talking Man, about Everybody it. speaks English in this movie. Do you think that all of the... I think people had to leave. I think Shadaloo's healthcare is not better than Americans. Okay, fair. The Shadaloo healthcare system... <laughs> 
that made it so they had to work for basically the Death Star to get yeah. braces for their kids. I had friends on that Death Star. My villain in this one is absolutely Zangief. Oh my God, the line readings. He found out he was the bad guy and immediately became a good guy. I love it. I love his little shorts. <laughs> I feel like Razor so Fist for, from Shang-Chi watched this movie like 38 times and was like, I have to be this level of dumb. That's the same energy for sure. My villain and his hairline is a V for villain. Is, <laughs> was actually just the hairline itself of Balrog. <laughs> it made me sad. It made me unhappy. It made me want to cry. He did a great job, though. It was an uncomfortable thing to see. I didn't like it. As a character, the Balrog and E. Honda, they were two of the best characters in the movie. You just got to keep eye level. They had a wonderful buddy comedy going in the B-plot, but I just couldn't stand that hairline. And I know that that wasn't, that's not like that guy's hairline. They shaved it down for that. No, they shaved my man to look like that. Balrog's kind of got like a V thing going on. You think they'll recognize that you're Balrog if you don't have it? I'm like... If he has boxing gloves, probably. You know what's great about Balrog is that during one of the scenes after they get captured, you see his clothes are all battle damaged and ripped, and you can see he's wearing purple shorts. And then in the next scene, he's wearing a f- the full just Balrog shiny purple boxing outfit. It's perfect. Okay. I guess that's the end of Street Fighter then. Let me ask you guys this. Would you recommend someone watch 1994's Street Fighter? If you're listening to this, it's because you probably have seen it before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. I'll answer it more directly, and I'll say yes. This is a movie that everyone should see because of the craziness of Raul Julia. Even if you don't love the movie, the spectacle that happened because of this, it's just its just perfect, and everybody should have it in their repertoire. You should at least know it. There's a specific subsection of humans who do not like camp, do not like so bad it's good movies. They wouldn't like this. But I think the people on our wavelength are really enjoying the ride more than they care about like the plot holes and things. Then this is a movie w- that is for enjoying the ride. Yeah. This movie is all ride. I was just transported. You can't think about this. You just have to watch it. It's very bad, but it's also perfect. It's so quotable. That's something I say a lot, but this one, and I don't know if it's just like stitched together or what. I mean, I know they had to do reshoots, but there's something about the energy of this movie that is exciting. If you've never seen it, you should watch it. If you've if you've already seen it, it's exactly what you remembered. You don't need to revisit it. But if you've never seen it, you should see it. I was thinking earlier today when I was watching this and I was thinking, People are going to be so tired of hearing how much we like movies that, that most people think suck or how much we like <laughs> things that like we probably shouldn't like or whatever. But, I mean, Cinema Sins exists. If you want to go watch a Cinema Sins on Street Fighter, yeah, dude, that's out there on YouTube. <laughs> if you want to see someone talk about how bad everything sucks and why it sucks, this exists. So I like to think we're providing more of a healthy balance to the negativity that is all over every crevice of the internet and i mean we're not saints there are movies that we both we all three of us go that was just fucking terrible like no yeah i don't like everything but i always do try to find the things that are good even in the bad movies like that nemo movie it's just shit well there's fun to be had in all of that you know i mean even even when it's bad there's like things to enjoy i mean because there's things you've never seen in this movie you've never experienced the things that i've earned this movie if you've watched like all movies all your life 
I don't care because if you've never seen this one, there are things that are going to take you by complete surprise. Not in the same way as some of the other movies we watched because that statement is true also of Cemetery Man. But this way is a much more blockbuster kind of friendly way. And if you've never seen this, you should watch it for Raul Julia, honestly. His performance alone is worth it. If you can find the supercut or something of his performance, that's fine. But it's worth watching. It's pretty, it's a nice and tight movie. I think it's like an, um, what, like an hour 40, something like that. It's just over 90 minutes. But I think it's well worth that time spent. If, if you're hearing me now, that being said, if you're hearing me now as well, please head over to nerdaplexy.com or your um, podcast catcher of choice. Like, subscribe, tell a friend. Um, get the word out. Um, we have a lot of fun making this podcast. And if, if you've had fun listening to an episode, share that with a friend. Uh, two people who are sharing that with the world by sharing their money with us. <laughs> it's Megan and Steve. Thank you so much for uh, supporting us, not only with your listens, but also with your dollars. You can also join the, those elite ranks over at nerdaplexy.com. Become a monthly subscriber. Reach out to us at nerdaplexy at gmail.com or if you like the social media angle, head on over to Nerdaplexy Pod on Twitter and you can talk with Oh, maybe we were just watching. We just watched Street Fighter. Our social media DJ. The face of Diva. <laughs> That's him. <laughs> game over. No, you could send me your favorite video game that you want to be a movie. I would love to know that. And, or your, you know, uh, a video game movie that you like that everybody else hated. For me, it was Mario Brothers. But I like bad things. And uh, yeah, that, that's me. Alrighty. Well, we don't do numerical ratings on this particular podcast, but if you'd like to see my numerical rating of this, head on over to letterbox.com. There'll be a, a review of all the movies we've watched so far. So hit me up. I am at read underscore nerdoplexy there. Hit up Sam at pgh underscore svh on twitter uh and tune in next time for our mini episode where we'll let you know what movie we'll be watching but until we meet again i'd like to leave you with this thought to ponder uh what side did Kyle have his uh, flag tattoo that was his uh, right arm okay so and he like would i guess his hat would be a little jaunty too so would he say something like Hat to the right, flag to the same side, William F. Guile, and the F is for flames. Five? You might say that. You might. No, I That's a reference from before, right? It is. It is. <laughs> is that one of those callbacks? It is. It's a, it's, it's a callback to a callback. Please, for the love of God, do not forget the baby. <laughs>